Well, hello there and welcome back. I'm Melissa Costello and you are listening to Come Home. This show is committed to providing a space for everyday people to feel supported, connected, and heard amongst our many life challenges. No matter what you may be facing, I want you to know that you're not alone in your struggles. And when you share your story with another, that's how your healing begins. Today's episode goes deep into the trenches with grief, emotional eating, and weight struggles as we navigate the tricky terrain of loss. My caller today is Sunny, and I have to say that I was touched so deeply by her vulnerability and willingness to share what she's going through. Sunny recently lost her mother unexpectedly, and she feels a lot of anger around it. She recognizes that she hasn't truly allowed herself to grieve. In essence, she wants her grief to be something she checks off a list like a daily task. She fears the pain of her grief, and so she's been avoiding it at all costs. This avoidance has resulted in using food as a way to cope and cover her feelings. Boy, can I relate to that. She also has a lot of comforting memories connecting with her mom and food as a child. She vividly remembers most days after school grabbing diet soda and peanut butter cups. So when she's using food, she's feeling that comfort. And it makes it even harder, even though her emotional eating results in her feeling worse about herself. And because she's been struggling with her weight since a young child, she feels a lot of shame around that. Sunny's gotten to the point in her life where she hates eating, but what we uncover is that this is just a byproduct of the way she uses food and how it relates to her body and her weight. So listen in as we unpack what Sunny is facing and I give her some tangible steps she can take right now to start to process her grief so that she can start to heal and shift her relationship to food and herself. And if you're someone who is experiencing loss or has been grieving, I know this episode will really speak to you. So thanks for tuning in and let's dive in with Sunny. Welcome, Sunny. What's your question today? So I followed you on Instagram for a while and I'm probably going to cry. Oh, well, that's okay. That's why we're here. So much of my weight issues revolve around food and I think it's emotion. Okay. And I think it's even become harder lately because my mom died unexpectedly in March. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I guess the biggest question is, is how do you take emotion out of food when personally I hate to eat? Can you say more about that? Why you hate to eat? I just feel like I struggle to eat meat because if there's gristle, fat, anything is disgusting. I mean, there is a piece of me that hates killing of animals, but I know that we can't let every animal live. And there are humane ways to do it. Okay. And then I just, I find that this stuff doesn't taste good, but then, I mean, I think sugar can taste good. So I feel like what I think tastes good is cheese pizza and peanut butter cups. Okay. So the more comforting type foods, it sounds like. Yeah. But then also the weight gain Okay. Yeah. So, so with eating those comforting type foods and eating more emotionally, then the result is some weight gain. A lot of weight gain. I'm really sorry to hear about your mother. That must be so hard for you. I can't even imagine. And so what are you doing to help yourself grieve? Well, I mean, I am in therapy and then right now I just sit with it all and 
feel what I feel and it is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a spin bike that I use. I ride my bike to work. I have, I mean, it's probably the best I've ever been on not eating as much sugar and alcohol. I mean, I'm not a big alcohol fan anyway, but like the night my mom died, I was like, do not turn to sugar because then you'll never stop. Yeah. Even before your mom passed, did you struggle with food? Absolutely. Okay. So how long has it been going on for you? <laughs> My whole life. <laughs> yeah. When, when we have food struggles for most people, it starts really young. Yeah. What was your initial memory of using food? Every day after school, my mom would go to the grocery store and we'd get a king size peanut butter cup and a diet Coke. Okay. So it was like this after school connection with mom, special treat type thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. And what did you hear about your body and weight growing up? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you notice? Well, I was always overweight, but then like my junior, senior year of high school, I decided I was going to join the military. And so like one of the recruiters convinced me a no carb diet and I was able to get the weight off and get in the military. Mm-hmm. And initially I could keep it off partly because of running. Yeah. And you ran so much that it didn't matter really what you ate. Right. But then as you got longer in the military, you could kind of not go on the group runs or do your own thing and stuff. And so the weight slowly started to go on. I ended up taking an injury in the military. I dislocated my SI joint and broke a right ankle. And so they put me out of the military, but I fought it for about a year and a half. And so in that time I gained weight got out of the military, went back home, went to nursing school. And now I'm easily 150 pounds higher than I was in the military. It sounds like you're someone who for most of your life, you've been using food to kind of comfort and soothe yourself. And it sounds like there's also a connection there with your mom around, Hey, this was the way we spent time together. We got special treats. And so that kind of set you up to eat out of comfort in that way. Exactly. Which is so common in the very beginning, when you said, I want to take the emotion out of food, it's next to impossible to do that. That doesn't mean that food needs to rule your life. And when you said, I hate eating, I remember myself feeling that way. Like if I just didn't have to eat, life would be so much easier. I echo that exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing. Food is life sustaining. And so what we're saying is I don't want to eat the thing that keeps me alive. Right. I don't want to do the thing that keeps me alive. And so the reason why we get in this place with hating food is because we have it so tied up into our worth and our body and our value. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So if we didn't have food and our weight connected and our weight tied up in our value, we would be in such a different place with our eating, most of us. Mm-hmm. And then we have what author Emily Nagoski of Burnout calls the bikini industrial complex, which is the $100 billion wellness industry that is constantly telling us our bodies are not okay and we need to be eating this way to look good or that way to look good or this diet to, right? So we have all of that coming at us as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's, it can feel impossible. And it sounds like you're in a place right now where you're really needing, you're wanting this to change for you. Absolutely. Yeah. How does it feel each day for you to struggle with emotional eating? How does it feel for you? Terrible. Cause I think every you go through the cycle of like, well, I'll just do it today and I won't do it tomorrow. And then when you do it, you're like, I know I'm not going to, I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Like, you know, that doesn't work. And so you just feel like you can't set yourself up for success and that it just continues to snowball. Right. Right. Well, anything that we start, we're going to have to stop eventually. <laughs> so any diet we get on, we're going to have to get off any way meal plan we get on, we're going to have to get off. Right. So that way of thinking is never sustainable. And that's where a lot of our struggles come in. Outside of what you said, you have a spin bike, those types of things. What is your self-care like? Well, since my mom passed away, I mean, the last probably four months of her life, I was doing a lot for her and caregiving for her. So right now it's kind of trying to figure out what to do with some of that time because it feels like a lot. Yeah. And for a while there, I mean, I've been a Fitbit wearer since like 2009. And then I also have been with Beachbody for a very long time, not as a coach to coach people, just as a, I like their workout programs, but I can honestly say I've never finished a program and I go through bouts of it. I can, you know, get 80 days in and then I take it, you know, my ankle hurts or I have a, the bad hip. And so I'm like, oh, my hip hurts. I'm not going to work out. Well, I feel like one day of not working out, it's over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. luckily I think my biggest self-care is I have my two dogs I have two boxers oh and one of them is she's not friendly with other dogs and so she doesn't go to other people she's my dog and I know that and I mean if it wasn't for them I don't know yes <laughs> I hear you I hear you and do you have any other type of support in your life outside of your animals now that your mom is gone what about other relationships friendships I mean, I have friends from work that we get together, you know, probably once a month and do like Mexican dinner. And then my sister does live here. She has a husband and a daughter. I would almost say we're very opposite each other. So kind of the things I like to do or that she likes to do are, you know, two different routes. And she has a family. So I don't expect her to give up her family to entertain me. Mm. I have some, you know, quilting friends. I'm a sewer. I like to make quilts. Okay. I I find it interesting that you just said, I don't expect her to give up her family to entertain me. I mean, I do feel like I'm alone. Mm -hmm. But we didn't do a whole lot before mom died. I mean, my sister has always been there. She will always be there for me. But I can't say that like we would get together on a regular basis. Right. And then I don't expect her to start that just because mom isn't here. Well, but what if it was something that you requested and you needed and you could build that, maybe build that kind of relationship at this point in your life. And I think we were doing that when mom had first passed, but then I feel like you eventually, I mean, you kind of have to move on. Do you? I do. (laughs) Why? Because I'm black and white and I just want a task list to say, okay, I did these steps in grieving. If only it were that easy. 
I know. So I think that's where a lot of your suffering's coming from right now. Because grieving is not linear. It's not something to be checked off. It's a process and it can be a years long process. That doesn't mean it's always gonna feel super painful all the time, but it's a process and it's one to be honored. And I get that as a nurse, like I can tell other people that, but I just don't want it to be that way. <laughs> okay, so you're fighting against what is, so tell me more about that. You don't want it to be that way because? It's hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, I get so angry at the world that there's people out there that are, I don't know, I want to say like drug addicts and alcoholics and, you know, they kill people, but why don't they die early? Well, there is a lot of that going on that you probably don't see. <laughs> and everyone's human, right? So everyone's human. And everyone deserves to have a life regardless of what they're doing. And so we don't get to judge other people about whether, when they should die or not. And that's just, I think your grief, right. Coming out through anger, like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is multi-layered because not only is there the childhood stuff that was very present with the comfort eating and the soothing with food and the body image and weight stuff. But then there's also the loss of mom that's very present for you right now. And probably a loss of a, a support system as well, which, you know, I don't know how close you were to your mom. She's my best friend. Yeah. Okay. So you lost your best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it makes sense that you're struggling and that you are where you are. She just passed this, this March, like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, I mean, this is very, very fresh for you. So what would it be like if you took away the expectation of when your grieving should end? I feel like I would, I could dread the time that it would take. But how do you know that? How do you know, unless you just let yourself do it? How do you take away expectations? Well, that's something we'll get into, but I'm just trying to plant the seed right now for you around the expectation you have around how you think it should look or that it's something you should check off and move on when that's not how humans work. Like if you don't grieve in real time, that's just going to build up and then you're gonna to continue to use these outside sources to try to get your own sense of soothing and comfort. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So what grieving in real time looks like is feeling whatever's there and bringing compassion and kindness to yourself, which is the hardest piece for most people. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but bringing kindness and compassion to yourself through the grieving process and knowing that the grief is there for a reason and it needs to be felt to heal, right? We have to feel it to heal it. 
So I get that you want it to be over and you want it to be fast and you want it to be easy, but it wouldn't be grief if it was those things, mm -hmm. right? I don't know if you know the book on death and dying by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but there's the five stages of, of grief. I haven't read it. Okay, so that might be something that you wanna consider looking into. And she talks about the five stages of grief. One of them is definitely the denial. <laughs> I don't remember them off the top of my head, but she studied this for a long, long time. And she worked with, I believe, people on hospice. Okay. And you said you're part of a support group or therapy? I do therapy. Okay. Are you going once a week or what's that look like? That's about every three to four weeks. Every three to four weeks. Okay. Do you feel like it helps? I do. You know, I had started therapy when I first got out of the military, just because it wasn't like a decision to get out. It was more of a medical discharge. Right. And I really, really liked that therapist. The one I'm seeing now, I mean, I think we've made progress, but she's not as, she doesn't, I guess, push me as hard as the first one did. And then through the pandemic, it was, you know, over Zoom. And I feel like yeah, I didn't connect as well with her yet. Okay. And so we're back to doing, we're starting in person. And so I'm going to see if that changes it at all. Okay. Are you able to go more than once every three to four weeks? Like maybe every other week? Is that a possibility? I could ask her and see what her schedule allows. Okay. Yeah, because at, at this point right now, that might be a powerful action step that you could take to support yourself through this time. I mean, this just happened two months ago. It's so fresh. Mm -hmm. And grief, again, there's layers and you go in and out of it. And it's not something to rush or check off or I just wish I was over this because there's a lot of messages in our grief. And our grief is, you know, one thing that I've learned when I've grieved in the past is that I had to learn how to love my grief <laughs> as painful as it was. I had to learn how to love it because that's what helped me heal. Mm -hmm. Right. It's there for a reason for you. Someone that you was in your life for your whole entire life, who was the source of your love and was your best friend is gone. And there's nothing or no one that can replace her. And there are ways that you can support yourself through the grieving process right? Because how painful is it to be emotionally eating all the time to try to avoid the pain? Right. When it would probably be easier just to feel the pain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're getting it. <laughs> Nobody there worded it that way. It's like, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Because it's so painful to emotionally eat and then all the baggage that comes along with that right? Oh, I hate myself. I have to start over. I hate my body. I'm so ashamed. Why can't I figure this out? Why can't I just get my shit together? Right? Are you, do you have a fly in my house prior to this? <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by the Food Freedom Guide. If you're someone who has been stuck in yo-yo dieting world, 
and you're sick and tired of restricting your food, counting calories, and feeling deprived to lose weight, the Food Freedom Guide will give you all the answers you need to take your power back from food, lose weight in a sustainable way, and end emotional eating. Go to my website at karmachow.com, click on the red button, and get your copy today. Listen, I get it because I've been there. I've been there and I know all the ins and outs of it. Trust me. And that's why I do this work. And that's why I coach women around these exact issues. And I've had plenty of clients who have lost a parent or a loved one that I've worked with and really helped support them through that process of grieving and working on finding things that support them outside of using food or drugs or alcohol or whatever the things that we go to, to numb out. Mm -hmm. And then just another component to this is that I was not close with my dad at all. Okay. My mom married a guy 20 years older than her who died four years ago. He was 80 and my dad died. So my sister had this little girl, had a baby my dad came back into our lives to be a grandpa Mm -hmm. and I was very cold to him. I was like, you left us as a kid. Why are you coming back now? Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time in therapy talking about maybe I should give him a chance and all this. And so finally, when I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to take down some of those barriers and maybe he's changed in the last, you know, 30 years. And maybe I have. And then he ended up getting a GI bleed secondary to colon cancer and died last July. Mm. And so it's like my anger there was I spent all this money on therapy to be okay with having him around. And then he goes and dies. I'm like, what's that universe trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the universe is trying to tell you that things don't happen on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't mean that what you did was wrong or too late or not enough. It just is the timing of the universe. Right. Right. And do you think that there's some other kind of lesson in that for you? I'm sure there would be if I would look at it more. (laughs) Okay. So you have a lot of things happening here. Not only the death of your mother, your best friend, but a reconnection with your father and then him maybe opening yourself back up in some way, right? Maybe becoming a little bit vulnerable and then him dying, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've heard you say anger a few times. Yep. Yeah. So what does your anger processing look like? How do you process your anger? I think I finally get so mad that I let myself just like have like an all out cry. Okay. Or I'll just go like, I'll go ride my bike. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, then that's taken a long time to get there because in the military, I would go to swing. I could fight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. I don't do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. So anger is one of those, one of those emotions. Number one, it's a very defensive emotion. It's the safest emotion we have. It's the easiest one to go to because it protects us in a lot of ways. And, and what I learned in my studies and through my own processing of emotions is that underneath anger is always hurt. The anger is just the easiest, safest emotion. It's the easiest one to access on the surface because the hurt is painful. Mm -hmm. 
So ultimately we want to process the anger so that we can get to the hurt and then apply the compassion and care to the hurt. Do you have any kind of emotional, spiritual practice that you lean on at all? I'm just curious. I like, I know this might sound weird, but I like like Oracle cards or tarot cards. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I have spirit animal cards that I love. I have spirit animal cards too. You do? Yeah. From Colette Barrett-Reed. Yes. Are you kidding me? Those are my favorite. They're my favorite too. Oh my gosh. I also have the fool of wisdom for when I'm not feeling very animalish. Okay, great. I just feel like a fool. <laughs> so what I'd love to see for you for the sake of today and for the sake of supporting you I'd love to see you get at least one thing in place that supports your emotional and spiritual well-being to give you that kind of place of support where you can feel supported in feeling your emotions, your anger, your hurt, your sadness, whatever's there. Okay. So when I say that, does anything come to your mind? Well, I think turning more to the cards because it feels like every time I do it, I'm always trying to ask my mom if she's okay. Uh, I wasn't there. She was found down in her house and they weren't able to resuscitate her. mm. And it always comes back to like time for the beginner mind, claim your independence. Transformation is beautiful. And it always comes back to like, I feel like me. And I'm like, mom, I'm asking you about you. Yeah, because it's not about her. It's about you. That's a good statement. Yeah. Not about your, her. your mom's okay. Your mom's okay. She's okay. And I think if I could convince myself of that, I feel like I could do the cards more to help give me that sense of just do it for yourself and not for mom. Well, don't you think she would want you to do that for yourself? What would she want for you? The best. Yeah. She would want you to be happy and process your emotion. And yes, of course, you're going to miss her and you're going to feel sadness and pain. And she would want you to do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? She's okay. So I think that doesn't mean that you can't have connection with her through the Oracle cards. Like I would really see it as a way to have a connection with her versus are you okay? But more of like, this is how I connect with her. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Like this is her sending messages to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if it is all about you, that's her sending messages to you about what she wants for you. Yeah, what she, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you do any kind of journaling at all? I'm just curious. I try. I sometimes struggle with it. I have hundreds of journals. Uh-huh. Okay. That are all blank right now. But Okay. Tell me about your perception of journaling. I love to ask my clients this because 
so many people have different perceptions and experiences. So tell me about your perception of journaling. Like what's it supposed to be like? What, what's your belief about it? I think that journaling could be great and amazing. I love paper and pens and I have, you know, everything I could possibly want to journal. Mm-hmm. And then normally when I start journaling, it's like I go blank. Okay. And I just start writing like, okay, just write. My mind is blank. My mind is blank. And when something changes, write that in there. And then I have wrote things like the day mom died and everything I wrote in there and how kind of how it went down or whatever. And then I wrote my aunt was living with her and I wrote some of the anger that I wish she would have started CPR and, Mm -hmm. you know, why she, why her justification is to why she didn't and all this. Mm -hmm. And then I start to wonder though, like, what if someone finds that journal? But then I'm also like, excuse my language, but I'm like, fuck them. Yeah. Who cares? Pick it up and read it. It's on you. Yeah. Who cares? Okay. So you go blank, which to me sounds like your brain is protecting you in some way. Okay. So I'm wondering if there could be some sort of more focused journaling that you could do in the immediate, because journaling is such a powerful tool. And it's a great place to process. And maybe you're not ready to process just yet. And journaling, the other misperception that people have about journaling is once I start, I can't stop. Or once I start, I have to do it every day. Or once I start, it has to look a certain way. And what I'm here to say is I want to give you permission for it not to need to look any kind of certain way other than as a supportive tool and a place for you to go to just dump or write or ask yourself questions. Does that make sense? It does. And I kind of started the last few times that I did journal, I kind of used the spirit cards and kind of went off of that. Like, yes, questions were, this is what my card said. And, you know, it led back to myself and. Yes, I do that too. (laughs) That is like a jumping spot. Otherwise I am like, oh, but today's weather was funny. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it sounds like right now, maybe your feelings are too raw to even be able to process them on paper. Because if your mind's going blank, that means you're shutting down and you're dissociating. Right. So maybe it's just a little too fresh right now. But the other thing that I would really love to encourage if this feels, and I think this could be really, really healing is to start to write letters to your mom. Hi mom, I'm thinking about you, I miss you. This is what I did today. I just wanna let you know, I love you. You're my best friend. Whatever you need, whatever is present for you, you could even be angry at her for leaving, you know? Like whatever is present for you, it's just a place for you to process. And she would want that for you. How does that feel when I talk about that? It makes me feel sad, but I like the idea. Okay. Yeah. So the sadness is there, right? And so that's what needs to come up. And that's what you're pushing away with the food. So even if you write just little letters to her or you write letters on separate pieces of paper, however you want to do it, but I I would encourage you to write to her. 
I like that because there's so many times in the day that something happens and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell mom this or yes, oh, I'm going to ask mom what she thinks about this. And then I'm like, oh, well. Okay. So yeah, you could write to her and then like, as you're writing, you're going to hear her answers. And that's part of where you can start to get more connected to your intuition and get connected to her, the spirit, the energy of her spirit, right? Mm-hmm. It's so healing. When my father passed away, we didn't have a relationship very similar to what you shared with your dad. Same thing. Didn't talk to him for many years. He came back into my life. Then he passed away from alcoholism. And then I, I did a lot of healing through letter writing. When at first it was screw you, you're an ass, you did this, you did that. Like I was in victim and blaming. And then, then it moved into compassion once I could start to get past that stuff. I like that idea. And I think I could do it for both. Agreed. But yeah, that's another reason why I brought that up about my dad. So my dear, what I would say to you is anything that you can do on a day-to-day basis to connect to your emotional and spiritual world, you know, sitting with doing your Oracle cards, asking questions, using the journal, writing letters. I think that those things and continuing with your therapy, maybe you can go more than once every three weeks. Mm -hmm. Those things can really help you in moving through this grief process and also helping you to process out the hurt and the pain that you're feeling so that food doesn't become the only source of comfort you have. Cause it's not really about the food, right? Right. It's about what you're trying to get from the food. And that lasts less than 60 seconds. <laughs> the funny thing is that starting this, when I was prepping for this, I was like, it's all about food. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, it's not about the food. It's not. And every single one of my clients that comes to me always thinks it's about the food and it's never, ever about the food ever. The hard part is that we need food to survive people who drink, people who do drugs, not that it's easy by any means. They can give those things up and still live. In fact, they can have a better life. We can't ever give up food. So it's in our lives forever, always, right? Absolutely, yeah. We have to eat. And so when we can get to a place of, I honor my body, I respect my body, food gives me life. I want good health. I want vitality. When we can get to that place, which it can take a lot of time to get there, that's when we'll start to shift our relationship to food because ultimately we're shifting our relationship to ourselves. And that's the deeper work that I do with my coaching clients. Because although you do think it's about the food, the reason why is because it's been going on for so long. Mm-hmm. But the food is just the outlet. It's just the external source of numbing, right? When people use drugs, people use alcohol, people use Netflix, people use social media. There's all different ways we numb. And I think for right now with where you are and what's recently happened in your life, that this stuff needs to come first so that you can start to really grieve and support yourself in the grieving process. And then 
if you want to six months from now address the food stuff even more, like see how it starts to feel as you're grieving and supporting yourself and just notice what's happening with the food if it's shifting at all. Right. Right. Does that feel helpful? Oh, it feels so helpful. Okay. Is there anything else that's still present for you that you may have a thought about or a question about? Not off the top of my head, no. I mean, I have a lot to think about. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I think that these first steps are really going to be really powerful. And will you check in with me in about a month and let me know how things are going? Absolutely. Okay. And just know that we're all sending you so much love and healing and you'll get through this and there's going to be some dark days. There's going to be some brighter days. And ultimately it's about how you support yourself through the process. And if you feel like you can't then reach out and get support. I can do that. Okay. You know, also one of my friends, I, I just want to bring this up because it could be something you look into. He recently released a grief app and I've heard it's phenomenal. And so I'm going to email you separately and send that information to you. But for the listeners, I'll also put a link in the show notes to that, because if anyone out there is grieving, I think it's so important that we have tools to help us. So that might be something that could be supportive to you too, as well, Sunny. Uh-huh. But again, I would say, get to your Oracle cards, sit and spend time, write those letters. And most of all, just be gentle and kind with yourself. Will do. Okay. And I'll look forward to hearing from you in about a month or so. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take good care. Will do. I feel so honored that Sunny shared her story with us. Grief is definitely a process, and even though it's painful, we all know how necessary it is for our healing and for us to move on with our lives. For anyone out there who is grieving, whether you've had a loss of a loved one, a breakup, or you're grieving a time in your life, I mean, look at this last year with COVID. I know that I was grieving just kind of loss of normal life, loss of everyday life, and what that meant. Just know it gets easier. And even though you may grieve for, over something for the rest of your life, it doesn't have to be as painful as it is when you first start the grieving process. And the other thing about grieving is it's not linear. And what it requires is a lot of compassion and a lot of patience. The most supportive stance you can take with grief is to know that it is a process. And if you allow yourself to feel your grief in real time, you will move through it more quickly. Now, every type of loss is different. That's not lost on me. And some of us may grieve a certain loss for a lifetime, like when a parent loses a child. And what I've learned is that the more we let ourselves feel what is present versus pretending everything's okay or wanting to get back to quote unquote normal life, the bigger disservice we do to ourselves and our healing I remember once when I was going through a breakup quite a few years back where I literally felt like I was going to die. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a little dramatic, but you know, breakups suck and they're painful. And I was in therapy. I was feeling really sad. And my therapist reflected to me that what she recognized that I was grieving in real time. 
And that even though it was painful right now because I was allowing myself to feel it all, that I would move through it quicker. And you know what? She was right because I was allowing myself to process whatever emotions came up. And anger was a big emotion when I was grieving. And so I was allowing myself to feel my anger and process it. And that was a game changer for me. I also had to learn how to be really compassionate with myself and I had to learn how to love my tears. I know that sounds funny, but we cry for a reason. It's a release. Our bodies need to release the grief. And even when they felt inconvenient or painful, I still had to find compassion for them. I remember there were days I would be out walking my dog down the street, literally just crying. And I allowed it instead of worrying what everyone else was thinking. (laughs) There's been many times where I've seen people crying on the street. And what it did was connected me to my humanity and their humanity and gave myself permission to be real instead of faking it and pretending everything was okay. So I want you to know if you're grieving, my encouragement to you is to feel your feelings now. I know that it can be scary to do that, but that's most likely because you haven't learned how. If you turn towards your grief with compassion and care, instead of seeing it as something that's bad or needs to be checked off a list, and then you bury it with food, alcohol, or some other form of numbing, it's only going to extend your pain. And the other thing I encourage is get support, check out online resources. I mentioned an app during my call with Sunny called Grief Refuge. I put a link to that in the show notes. Please get support, don't do it alone, and don't pretend it's not happening because that will ultimately lead to those avoidance behaviors that I spoke about with Sunny. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for tuning in. And no matter what you're going through, know that you are not alone. You are so loved and you are so seen. I honor you and your process and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Come Home. I love hearing from you. So please leave your comments and questions at karmachild.com slash podcast. That's also the place where you can sign up to get some free coaching from me on an upcoming episode. And if you love the show, please subscribe in iTunes and leave a review and share it with your friends. You can also find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at karmachow.com. Until next time, may you come home to what truly matters in your heart.